The following program is a rebroadcast. is at the Lamb's High Feast we sing. It's what we're going to be talking about today on this Tuesday, April the 19th in the year of our Lord 2016. And with us in the studio to help us with that is the Reverend Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Hi, Tom. Blessed Eastertide to you. It's still Easter, is it? That's right. Yes. Sure. Well, we're looking forward to maybe singing this hymn are you singing oh it? man are you kidding we've we've already sung it at least one at least once or twice at easter time we it's a beautiful hymn i love it i mean every easter i i think we use this every easter at the at the uh main service with the lord's supper we always do it during the distribution yes it is it's a so lord's long. supper hymn i mean it's just there's the, the language is so rich you know i was looking i uh i didn't realize this was written between the fifth and the tenth century. Yes. I mean, we can't narrow it down more than that. But that's this hymn's been around a long time, and it was written in Latin. I'll tell you, it's beautiful. Yes, Robert Campbell, he was the one who died in 1868, who was the one who translated it. Well, he did an excellent job. Let me tell you. Well, um, also the setting is by Jan O. Bender, who died in 1994. And he was an excellent organist, too. We we have a, a bender at St. Paul de Pair. Peter Bender, right? No. Isn't it Peter Bender? Isn't that his first name? No. Who am I thinking of? Okay. Or, organist Bender. <laughs> That's so, his first name. Huh? Did you take a look at the Lamb's High Feast? Yes. Yes. And you... Well, why don't we just begin? Because there are eight stanzas. And every one is just as good as the last. Why don't you do one? Okay. At the Lamb's high feast we sing praise to our victorious king who has washed us in the tide flowing from his pierced side. Alleluia. The thing I said in the promo about this is Christianity is quite paradoxical. What, what does that mean, paradox? <laughs> it's kind of like an, an enigma. <laughs> Very good. It's so a puzzle. We, we talk to a little child, five years old. What's paradoxical, Dad? Enigma. Okay, thank you. <laughs> no, you're right. A puzzle. I always like saying it this way. At first reading, it sounds like a contradiction. Uh, yeah, okay. And then upon further reflection, it is not. Right. Like three persons, one God. And law gospel usually straightens it out. That's correct. Did you say that because if you're you on the law and if gospel? You didn't, if not for law and gospel, it would be a puzzle. Well, uh, Walter says that it 
remains a closed book right. to anyone who does not understand the distinctions between law and gospel. Right. He's talking about the Bible. The Bible would be a closed book if you yes. don't use law and gospel. Because, oh, who is that actor? He's uh, Tomorrow I'm going to talk about it. He's doing a television series about looking for God, and I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, I, I listened to part of it last night, and so we're going to be talking about and here, here's the one thing he says that is just so bad. He lumps Muslims, Jews, and Christians together because they all worship the same God. Ugh, ridiculous. I know. You know, it's just the, the world does not get it. No, Tom. the world does not get it. The world does, does, not, does get not get it. You see, that's because Christianity is paradoxical, which you cannot understand until you receive faith. Right. Apart from faith, there there's no reasonable explanation. There's no evidence for what we believe. There's just nothing there except the Word of God. And I've been in your experience. You've seen how people have come to faith just by hearing the words from Scripture. That's right. Particular words, though. The gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gospel. Yeah, I was in a conversation last night at home. And we were talking about uh, homosexuality and how to stop it. And somebody said, well, you just can't go up to them and said, don't do it. <laughs> and uh, from a law gospel perspective, the law doesn't change no. your heart. No. It may change your behavior because of fear of punishment right. or hope of reward. But it never changes the heart. So just saying that isn't going to be sufficient. You've, you've got to get uh, people to... First of all, trust Jesus, which means they didn't trust the Bible. And then when you point out the Bible, I, I just saw this uh, book out, uh, and it says how the Bible supports gay marriage. <laughs> Can you believe that? Well, if like you look, I said, the world doesn't get it. No, the world does not get it. So at the Lamb's high feast we sing. What's the high feast? Well, of course, that's that's Easter, the Feast of the Resurrection, the Lord's Supper. And the paradoxical thing is he's washed us because of his pierced side. And one of the paradoxes in the Bible is that the robes of the saints have become washed in the blood of the Lamb. No, no. The robes of the saints have become white. Right. Because they are Washed in the, washed blood, of in the, the blood of the Lamb. That doesn't make any sense. No, I know. Because the blood of Lamb, of, of course, is red. Yes, exactly. So that's what we mean by paradoxes here. And this is why it's important to go through this with children. Because this is a very confusing hymn if you do not have uh, some depth in, in, in the Christian faith. I think one of the tasks of the pastor is to show insights in commonly understood verses that yes. people miss the insights. Yes, I agree with you 100% because it's so rich, and, and people, oh, would, people would doubly or triply appreciate those insights when you point them out. Yes. Uh, I, give you an example. The, uh, the Nook Dimittis. You know, I, I sang that as a kid. I sang that all through my yeah. youth. Lord, now you let us I servant depart and in I, peace. Exactly, and, and I understand now why we sing that where we do right after the Lord's Supper. Because just as just as Simeon held the little baby Jesus in his arms, so have we taken and eaten the very body and blood of our Lord. Yes, 
In fact, I did that in a sermon, and one of my new confirmands came forward and was crying when she took the Lord's Supper. And I didn't know why. So afterwards, I asked her. She said, I never realized yeah. that we are closer to Jesus than Simeon was. That's right. And it, then and another, another example, of course, is uh, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. Right. That reminds us of how close we are with our loved ones that have fallen asleep in Jesus. Exactly. In worship. In, in fact, talk about your eyesight changing. When believers come forward, they know they're not just getting a piece of bread or a sip of wine, but they're getting the very body and blood of Christ. Yes, in with and under somehow that bread and that wine, just like God somehow was in with and under the burning bush. Right. All right. And so uh, I'll read stanza two. Praise we him whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine, gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. You almost got three paradoxes oh, there. Man. Christ the victim, Christ the priest. You know, he's, the, he's the sacrifice. Yes. And he's also, of course, the, the, the priest. Uh, he's, of course, he's... Who permits himself to be... Exactly. Sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, the priest had two main tasks. The one was to sacrifice for the people, and the other one was to pray. Now, Jesus is heavenly priest. Right. No more sacrifice. No. But he continues to pray at the right hand of God right. for us. And, continue, and continues to give us his precious body and blood for our, for our sins. Too. Yes. Yeah, gives his sacred blood for wine. That needs to be explained to a child. Because... Yes. Uh, you have children come up to the altar during. Oh yes, all the time. Right? Oh, you do. And we give them a we give them a, a baptismal we, reminder. I remind them of their baptism and how Jesus has made them a child of God, an heir of heaven through holy baptism. Yeah, yeah. yeah we never did that at St. James. Mm -hmm. You know, but... I never did it until an elder an elder talked to me about it. Sure. And I've done it ever since. Yeah. God rest him. Yeah, the elder passed away, but oh. I'll t ever since he. Uh, Nevertheless, I think it's I think it's a good practice. Now, I, I I don't put my hand on the child's head or anything like that. I don't want them to attach the blessing to me, but I remind them of their baptism and how God has made them. Jesus has has washed all their sins away and made them a child of God and heir of heaven. One congregation I went to, visitors can come forward also, mm -hmm. but they're to cross their arms, right? Which shows that they're not yet confirmed. Mm -hmm. And do you give a blessing to them? When that happens? No. Uh, oh, so children I don't. <laughs> deserve a blessing, but adults don't. I don't. Hey, look, I've never thought about encouraging that practice. You know, when you, I, I just have never thought about encouraging. Yeah, right, I think right, it's good right. to bring the kids uh, kids up there, but I've never, I've just never thought about encouraging visitors, particularly non-confirmed non-instructed visitors to come forward. I don't want any confusion, you know, particularly because, you know, we've got we've got elders assisting. Sometimes we've got a seminary student assisting. They don't know the congregation like I do. Do you, well, if they got their arms folded. See, Emmanuel Lutheran, all of that does that. Uh-huh. Any visitors can come forward to receive a blessing and keep your arms folded. That's fine. I just, your I just. ushers don't recognize arms folded? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, you're, you're always trying to get me trouble. in trouble. <laughs> yes. Well, like I said, I never did that one. There was an article by a Fort Wayne professor. Well, that's one of our seminaries years ago 
about it being inappropriate to give blessings to children because it gives the impression that the sacrament or some blessing is being given there when he was arguing that there is no blessing there. But um, I had followed that for a while, but I'm, I'm open to different interpretation. You know, yeah. I'm not going to. Uh, especially if you've got a lot of families with little children. What do they do? Leave yeah. them in the pews? Well, that's it. And yeah. what's wrong with reminding a child that Jesus has washed away all of his sins in holy bath? What's wrong with doing that way? You know, the, of course, we do that in the absolution. I realize that. Yes. Well, but it's an opportunity to do it again. But that can't be your reason because if a a mother comes forward holding an infant who's two months old in her hands. You're not reminding him of anything. I'm reminding everybody there that yeah. can hear it. So it's not for the purpose of reminding the child. Uh, not always. Sometimes if yeah. the child's old enough to understand. Oh, boy, they look right. They, you know, they look up to you with those big yeah, blue eyes. And, and they just take in every word. So you only have not just have no, 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 no. <laughs> so if you have brown eyes or green eyes, don't come forward. <laughs> no, I don't mean that at all. You I know, know you don't. I'm pulling your leg. All righty. Maybe you better go on with stanza three. Where the Pasco blood is poured, death's dread angel sheathes the sword. Oh, I like that. No, image. no, no. It doesn't say, oh, I like that image. You have to read Israel's the Israel's hosts triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. Isn't that great? Yes. Isn't that super? Okay, explain it now because the child doesn't understand Paschal blood. Well, where the Paschal blood, where our Lord Je Jesus' blood is poured and he, he washes away our sins, you know, death has no power or dominion over us. Death's dread angel must sheath its sword, put its sword back into the sheath. He cannot harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. No, that's, okay? that's the devil. Well, yeah, but death is death is nevertheless the last enemy to be destroyed. But I think the angel is Jesus. Oh, boy. Because the Paschal blood is really referring to the Passover. That's why I want Where you to the say... the Paschal blood is poured, death's dread angel yes. sheathes the sword. Well, death is conquered. Yeah, but my point is is that Jesus was the one who went through the Passover in Israel, putting oh, to I death see. the older one. I see. You, you, you take that view. You don't think it was just a destructive angel. That's from Kurowski in his book, Angel of Angels. I see. I have to look at that. Yeah. No kidding. Because it's a good angel. It's not an evil yeah, angel. Right, right, God right. Uses. A destructive angel, right. And it calls him the angel of the Lord. It does. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I have to study that. Well, of course. I don't know. Boy, I don't know if that's a helpful. Well, if it's true, it's true, obviously. Well, who's but... the judge on the last day? Christ. Yes. And what does he do to the goats? <laughs> Sends them to hell. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, look at but look at this beautiful image. Israel's hosts triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. That's the image of uh, the Red Sea crossing. See, I, I think. Stanza three isn't talking about the uh, Lord's Supper. It's, it's talking, talking about, about the, Passover. the Passover, Passover, and the uh, and the deliverance from uh, bondage. It's the next verse, yeah. that moves into the Passover okay. after looking at the Passover. So read stanza four, please. Okay, praise we Christ, whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread. With sincerity and love, eat we manna from above. Alleluia. Isn't that good? Yeah. Manna. Yes. Once more, pointing back. You see, uh, 
Yeah. It's important to teach the Passover of the Old Testament as a prefigurement right, of right, right, right. the Lord's Foreshadowing. Supper. Foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right, of the of the Lord's Supper. That's or right. like I like to say, a foretaste. Yes, of foretaste. the Lord's Supper. Sure. Which is also a back taste of the Garden yeah. of Eden. <laughs> and this is particularly an interesting hymn in light of the fact that uh uh, the Jewish people are celebrating their Passover this week. Oh, they are. Getting ready for the I, Passover. I was, yeah. Oh, I was unaware yeah. of that. Wouldn't this be... You're probably correct. I, I'm just ignorant of that. Wouldn't right this now. be... Uh, I thought it was always near our Easter. Doesn't it? Isn't that no, how not our Easter... Not this week. I understand oh, they're getting okay. ready for Passover. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paschal victim, Paschal bread. And... Um, that's why you understand it as Passover. Where does the word Passover come from? What does it mean? Well, it's when the the angel of death passed, passed over. over. Excellent. He saw the blood on the doorpost and lintel and passed over. Yes. So I once began the sermon, you know, at the IC saying... The uh, International Center. Yes. Very good. That's where we're sitting right now. <laughs> um, and I began, uh, who here ever ate, you know, a manna from God or went through uh, waters and were saved? And nobody put their hand up. And then I made every one of you do every time you're baptized was and then your Passover, which was the Lord's Supper. Right. And this verse, I, I didn't realize they call it manna from above. That would have been a good thing to remember. Right. Yeah. Manna from above. So we don't have that everyday manna, but we sure do. You know what manna means? Mana. Yeah. What, what is it? What is it? Yeah. And and of course contrast that with this is the this is the oh, true that's body, good. body of Christ. It answers it answers the question, yeah, what I, is it? I never thought of that yeah. before. That's well, a good point. You should listen to me once in a while. I know, I know. You you're always putting me down. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Stanza five. Mighty victim from the sky, hell's fierce powers beneath you lie. You have conquered in the fight. You have brought us life and light. Alleluia. Mighty victim. How many times do we refer to a victim as mighty? Yes, but he's the... Uh, it's paradoxical. I know. It's paradoxical because he, he is the lamb that was slain. He's the, the bloody lamb. He, you know... You know uh, have you ever seen, well, you've seen those symbols of the lamb triumphantly carrying the banner yes. of victory, the cross. That's right. And yet he's bleeding from his from his body. You know, he's been wounded. By the he's, way, the last sermon at the International Center here, I mentioned your name in it. Oh, no, you're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> here was my question. Um, it was on the basis of the text. I said, uh, who here would disagree that, Jesus died on Good Friday. Um, no, 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 it was this way. Who here would disagree with the view that in a state of humiliation, Jesus did not use any of his divine powers until he rose from the dead? And, of course, nobody put their hand up. Right, because he did perform miracles. Well, yeah, but a lot of them were by the Father, not by him. And I said, you know, that's a question I got wrong also. And Reverend Mark Smith corrected me that in the state of humiliation, it's wrong to say he set aside his divine powers, but he did not always make use yeah, of them. Always right, right. That's, and that I attribute that to Professor H. Richard Klein, Klein at yes. the seminary yep. years ago. Yeah, I, I must have missed he that He cleared class. that up for me because I got it wrong in class. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, I answered, well, he set aside his... Uh, his divine power, and he says, 
That is exactly what we don't want to teach. Yeah. <laughs> you know how he would talk. Oh, yeah, I know. He was great. <laughs> he was a great professor. But what uh, I uh, in- indicated then was that, of course, in a state of humiliation, I quoted from the Book of Concord, which says specifically that he was divine at all times and only used those attributes when and where he chose in his state yes. of humiliation. Right. And then I gave some examples, like the stilling of the sea. Jesus says, peace be still. And then he knew things, like he could see Zacchaeus from right. afar and things right. like that. And then I gave examples of his inability to know things, like for example, I don't know when the last day is, and, and things like that. So it was really a kind of an interesting, but but a lot of people fall into that trap. Yeah, that is, you know, that is uh, the idea that he sometimes uh, went to his father for the power uh, to uh, to commit to perform these miracles. Oh yeah, he says he and, did not always uh, no, no, just do all, it on his own, right? He says, I call on you so that they know. Yeah, you know. at the raising of Lazarus, for instance. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think that's a subtlety that not everybody realizes. I think you're right. Stanza six. Now no more can death appall. Now no more the grave enthrall. You have opened paradise, and your saints in you shall rise. I'll, another great verse. One right after the other. How do you explain to a child what the word... Enthrall means. Uh, you know, enthrall is not always the word we use for. I know the grave. I enthrall. think he used it enthrall. because it, it rhymes. No, with yeah. well, obviously, a yes. Paul. Now, no more the grave, and I, I think it's it's saying that, that death cannot appall us anymore. The sting of death is taken out. The grave does not overwhelm us. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, because you have opened paradise. Now, that's important because that's the word used by Jesus to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in In paradise. Because he would not be there in the body and the spirit, only in the spirit. Right. Uh, Paradise was the third level in Judaism of heaven. But I think Jesus uses it there to show that it's not the full glory you're going to receive after the day of judgment. So, your point was that... Even though it's a Lord's Supper, it certainly is an Easter theme, uh, stanza seven. Easter triumph, Easter joy, this alone can sin destroy. From sin's power, Lord, set us free, newborn souls in you to be. Now, what power are we set free from? Because we continue to sin. You know, what's a little confusing about that second line, this alone can sin destroy, uh, actually... It, the word it, it, a child might be confused by that. This oh, alone can sin destroy. It this alone can destroy sin. You understand what I'm saying? No. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Maybe, well, just because the... well, it rhymes. Yeah. That's okay, a... but uh, this that's not how we talk. We usually say this alone sin can destroy. Well, yeah. Or this alone can destroy sin. Poetry never talks right. Right. You're right. That's why, boy, I have a lot of problems with some poems. I have no idea what they're saying, you know, but, um, boy. But but another great hymn, uh, another great verse. Well, what's the power of sin? It's in 1 Corinthians 15. The power of sin uh, is the law. The sting of death is sin. And the The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory isn't over sin. 
it's over the law, the right. curse of the law. Right, right, right. So right. you can read this and say, boy, if we're free from sin, mommy and daddy, why am I still sinning? Because the freedom is you no longer have to pay the punishment. Right. So that's what Jesus did. That's right. Uh, the cross doesn't get rid of our sin. No, we still have that old Adam, that old sinful Absolutely, nature. Absolutely, but we're free from the power of sin. Right. Which is eternal damnation. Last stanza. Father, who the crown shall give, Savior by whose death we live, Spirit, guide through all our days, three in one, your name we praise. A doxological, a good doxological verse to, to end on. Father, who the crown shall give, who's he giving the crown to? Uh, is it to Christ or to all of us? All of us. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because... It's all about us. Savior by whose death we live, and then Spirit guide us through all our days. So both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is spoken of here in what we're receiving from them. Mm -hmm. You having the Lord's Supper Sunday? Oh, absolutely. Every yeah. every weekend. Okay. And tell us where you're at. Uh, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church. We're just south of the Watson and New Sappington <laughs> Road intersection out here in Crestwood. And... Uh, we have a Saturday evening service at, at 5 p.m. and then a Sunday morning service at uh, at 9 a.m. followed by Bible class and Sunday school. We'd love to have you. And I'm at Emmanuel Lutheran Olivet Saturday also at 5 p.m. and then Sunday at 8 and 10:30 with a a Bible study at 9:30. So you can have a choice as to if you want to hear a good sermon on Saturday at five. <laughs> Then you'll want to go hear Pastor Mark Smith. <laughs> and if you just want to hear... Uh, if you want to be sit on the edge of your seat, but yeah. because you don't answer the question right, oh, have you I got come a, and listen to Tom. I got a question for oh, him this week. Nobody's going to get it right. <laughs> uh, I tried it out on some people last night, and uh, no, no, they all got it wrong. So it's going to be fun. All right, thank you very much. At the Lamb's High Feast we sing... I'm not sure we're singing it at Emmanuel, but knowing who's there, uh, Organist Snyder, he usually chooses him, and you're going to choose it at your church. Oh, absolutely. Okay, Tom Baker, tomorrow we're talking about somebody looking for God. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.